Good morning and welcome everyone to church this morning. It's great to be here, isn't it? It's great to see all of you here too. Fantastic. Um, We've just got some fantastic news this week. We heard that Chad and Danielle Williams have had a new addition to their family. They had a little baby boy that was born this week, Lucas Archer, seven pound. This is in old language, isn't it? 12 ounces. I don't know what that converts to, but anyway, (laughs) seven pound, 12 ounces. So congratulations to them. Did someone convert that, did they? (laughs) No, right. (laughs) But it was a big one. A good size, says Gwenny. (laughs) Great. Um, We've also, isn't it funny, in the life, in our lives, there's joys, there's births, and this week we've also had a death. Um, John Holdenson died on Friday night. For those of us that uh, knew John, a uh, wonderful man, came to know the Lord quite later on in life. And um, we just really want to convey our condolences as a church to Midge, his wife. And this coming Tuesday morning here at the church at 10.30, there will be the uh, funeral service. So we'd encourage all of you that uh, know John, knew John, and Midge um, to try and get along here this Tuesday morning. The other great thing is today is the first Sunday in May. And what does that usually mean for us? Mission Month. That's right. We're commencing May Mission Month today. And in your bulletins, you would have received a little insert. And in that insert, it actually explains what we're doing. At the end of the month, on the 31st of May, we'll have our normal, usual, yearly special offering for our mission. Uh, for our mission. And... Um, What we're doing this year is uh, just something a little different. We're actually taking up an offering, and we'll explain what that's going to in a moment. But we've also got an opportunity as well to also make ongoing pledges, and those pledges will be going towards mission activities as the year unfolds as well. So we'll take up a special offering, but you can also, aside from that special offering over and above your tithes, you can also, over and above that special offering, make pledges to the work of mission. And just to explain what that work is, we um, farewelled a couple of weeks ago, Marg and John Docking here from our church, And uh, I got a text last night um, and, of course, when you're um, about 10 hours different, difference, it comes at unusual times of the middle of the night, Uh, but Marg just basically said that they've settled into their cottage, it's clean, they've been busy buying beds and... um, fridges and stoves, everyone was very willing and very supportive. Um, They've had some internet hassles, but they cooked their first meal in their um, little cottage last night. And and, um, 
they have a hot shower, which they're wrapped about. Plenty of room for guests. So anyone feeling like a little trip over to Uganda, they'd be more than welcoming of you. So our May Mission Month, our priority is going to go to Margaret and John Docking, supporting their work over there. Our second priority is going to go to the Life Group's Rural Development Program in Malawi. And our third priority for May Mission Month is our Bible translation and teaching materials for the ongoing work of translating the Bible um, in Malawi to, um, from English into the language of Malawi. So what we'd like you to do as this month unfolds is to be prayerfully considering how, and, uh, how you are going to support these projects, okay? And while we talk about that, we just really want to ask if Tim Stevens is here, Tim? Where are you? Over here. Tim is going to bring to us something really exciting that God has laid on his heart and I know has been in preparation for. There you are, Tim. Hi. <laughs> Bless you. And he's been preparing for years. So, Tim, would you like to share what you're up to? Good everyone. Um, I'm Tim Stevens. Um, for the last three years or so, I've had this passion for Afghanistan, sorry, and um, over the amount of time, doors have been opening up, and I don't know what to do there, but um, I'm just going there for two months, leaving this um, Friday, so I got my visa on, well, the visa was passed on uh, previous Friday, so I had to make a booking pretty quickly. Um, I'm then going from um, Afghanistan around... Um, other places. I'm starting on the right side going up to Afghanistan and then trekking around. Um, why am I doing this? The main reason is um, for Afghanistan is because of the leadings I have. Um, I'm not going to say that God told me to go there or God wants me to do this because um, I don't trust my own emotions but I'm just going there to see um, if God, uh, what God can do with me I suppose. Um, yeah so I'll trek along there, teach English for two months and teach guitar as well, and then continue around um, for another six months. And um, the point of the continuing trip is really for me just to uh, be challenged, um, get out of the Western world a little bit. Um, I'm catching up with a few other mates along the way, and we're trekking through um, areas like East Block, Europe, um, as you can see, all the way across Russia and Tibet, places like that. And um, Dockings, who Gail was talking about before, I'll be spending a bit of time with them in Uganda as well, um, later in the trip. And the, the sole purpose of the whole trip is I'm raising money for a school in uh, Kabul, in Afghanistan. I'll keep this quick, don't worry. Um, Organisation called Shelter for Life International, and they do community programs over there, Christian organisation, um, but they're not labelled as Christians because... Uh, you're not allowed to be Christian, I suppose, in Afghanistan. So they are a Western community development organisation known as Christian, but not labelled as Christian. So they use partnerships to uh, create um, rapport with the Afghani government and Af Afghani people. Um, this school requires 1,000 a month to run, so that teaches 120 kids... Um, pays for security guards, teachers, uh, bills, books, all that. It's not too bad for a month and 120 students. 
Um, just for some stats on the country, school enrolment, 29% boys and 4% girls of the overall country have gone through school. Um, and that is mainly due to the Taliban presence over the previous um, amount of time. And they, this school teaches boys and girls. So um, that's just that in a nutshell. Um, I'm not going to push the money or anything from the church because May Mission Month has already got all these things we can um, assist with. Um, but I would like to ask for prayer um, for my family, that they will have peace while I'm away. Um, I have some brochures as well, which if you're interested, you can... That's the brochure up there. Um, if you're interested, come up to me or my parents when I'm gone. Um, you can learn more about that and how you can use a school. And that's about it, I think. I'm getting kicked off. <laughs> stay, stay. <laughs> oh, the Facebook group too. If you know how to use internet, you can watch what's going on. The end. Facebook, we all know what that is, don't we? Okay. We just want to pray for this amazing young man and uh, what an incredible adventure, Tim. I just think if anyone wants to hear more about that, just please speak to Tim. Yeah, and we'll be praying for you, Tim. Lord, we just thank you so much for young men um, that just love you so much and that really want to make a difference in this world, that just step out. And so, Lord Jesus, we can well understand why Tim has asked for prayer for his parents. <laughs> and we just pray for Faye and Ken uh, for this time as Tim goes these next seven or so months uh, trekking right around the world for a really wonderful cause, Lord. We pray that you'd be with him. We pray your protection over him. We pray that you'd be shaping him and that we pray that he too would be shaping others, Lord. And Lord, let it be that you answer the desires of his heart so that when he does return, he has highlighted the desperate need for education for children of Uganda and he's also raised that money that you've laid on his heart for this school. Lord, we just thank you for him. And Lord, now as we come to um, continue our service, Lord, may you be upheld, may you be glorified, may you be honoured in all aspects of our service. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Tim. Well, we've just sung together, I'm lost in wonder. The lostness is not one of aimlessly not knowing where we're going. It's a being overwhelmed with wonder that we've got so much wonder and awe and love and thankfulness because of what Jesus has done that we don't know what to do with it all. It's uh, unabandoned worship, it's thankfulness, it's praise to God for what he's done in sending his son Jesus to us. Why is this something that we should praise God for? I think Paul said it so well in Romans 8 when he said these words, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man. 
to be a sin offering. We're lost in wonder. We're lost in love. We're lost in praise forevermore because now there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus this morning? Is your faith and trust in him? Then we might say like Paul did in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God knows your sin completely and yet has forgiven it completely by sending his son to die on the cross as a sin offering, then if God who knows every bit of your dirty, sinful life has forgiven you, then who else is there to be condemned before? If he's forgiven you, the God who made you, then this is surely a reason for praise and awe. And we come around this table lost in wonder, lost in love, lost in praise forevermore because at this time we take up the elements of the bread and the cup and we drink them and we eat them and we say, God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die not just on some cross a long way ago, an objective truth that we actually believe, but that Jesus, you died on the cross for me, for my sin. I know how sinful my life has been. I know how deep and dark my thoughts have been, my actions have been, my attitudes have been. And I know that's why I'm full of wonder and praise and awe that now, through Christ's death, there's no condemnation. So this morning, as you serve these elements, as you take them, remember that these represent Jesus' body broken for you and the blood that was shed so that you can be forgiven completely of your sin, made new, restored. And as you drink them and eat, be caught up again in this wonder that if God is for you who can be against you let's pray together Lord God we just thank you and praise you again that this morning we can come around your table and remember the cross Father we weren't there when they hung Jesus up on the cross we weren't there when they laid him in the grave we weren't there when he rose up from the dead again. But today, Lord, we can celebrate. He is risen. Father, we just give you thanks and praise that we, we have this victory over death. We are forgiven because of the blood that was shed on that cross. This morning, Father, we take these elements. We take the bread that represents Jesus' body broken for each one of us in this building. We take the wine that represents the blood, the precious blood of Jesus, spilt for each and every one of us. Hallelujah. What a saviour. And just say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. As you're served the elements today, would you take the bread and eat it? And as you're eating it, just remind 
yourself and be lost in wonder and awe at the fact that Christ died for your sins. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you are forgiven. As you take the cup, why don't you hold on to it? And we're going to drink together, the whole church, or everyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, to say that God has put us into a family and there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The writer said, the sin overthought, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Let's share in this meal together. Well, this morning we're continuing on in our series. This is the second week, and it's just a two-week series that we're looking at uh, together. Um, Next week will be Mother's Day. So if you have a mother or if you are a mother, come along. We're looking forward to that. Mandy's going to be speaking on hurry up and slow down. So that's going to be great to, to, uh, to hear. So come along for that. It'll be a special service. Um, last week, we looked, uh, how can I cope with stress? Do you remember that? Uh, we talked together about, you know, when we're facing stress, we need to remember, we need to know who I am and we need to know who I'm trying to please and we need to know what I'm trying to accomplish. So today, we're going to continue on and we're going to look at how can I handle discouragement? How can I handle discouragement? I think today, if you were asked, what's the world's deadliest disease? You would most likely to say swine flu, swine influenza, wouldn't you? Like the world is on high alert and I've been meeting people this morning that are sniffling and, you know, I'm a little bit worried, quite frankly. (laughs) But... Do you know, there are plenty of diseases which we could say might be our, our, our most, you know, widespread uh, disease. Like maybe people would say AIDS or MS or cancer. But, you know, I think there is a, another disease which is uh, the, possibly the greatest in the world. And I think it's the disease of discouragement. Do you know, I think you probably wouldn't even think of it as a deadly disease. But the truth is, uh, discouragement can really get a grip and take us right down. The thing about discouragement is that, you know, first, it's, uh, it's universal. All of us get dis- discouraged. Uh, each one of us at some time find ourselves really feeling uh, down. It's common. I-, I get discouraged. You do. We all get discouraged. It, it affects everybody. Uh, the second thing about it, and that includes Christians, by the way, you know, discouragement can touch them as well. The second thing about discouragement is that it's recurring, like you, you might have it at one time in your life and that's not it forever. You know, it, it comes back and it can come back again and again. It's just not a one-off thing. And the third thing I think is that it's contagious. If I get discouraged, people around me are likely to catch this disease and I'm likely to bring other people along with me who get discouraged as well. The good news is, though, that there are cures for discouragement. And I'd love you to turn with me to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And this story of, from Elijah's life explains 
I think four, discourage, uh, four, four causes of discouragement we'll see there. But we'll also see three cures for discouragement. I mean, we'll be able to look into this, this passage and see the things that led Elijah to be discouraged. But we'll always also be able to find some things that will help us in our discouragement from his life as well. Elijah was perhaps the most well-known and dramatic of Israel's prophets. He uh, rep- represented God at that great showdown on Mount Carmel between the prophets of Baal and Elijah. And you remember how God poured down fire and, and consumed the, the altar. And uh, it was a great victory. Again, he was the one who predicted that there would be a three-year drought and he prayed to God and the drought broke as well. Elijah was a man who, who boldly spoke God's word. He was strong. He was single-minded in his commitment to God. He seems like an unlikely candidate, don't you think, for discouragement? I, I think someone like that you look at and think, oh, wow, standing toe-to-toe with those guys is, is incredible. But if you have a look in 1 Kings 19, it says there that he was in the grip of discouragement. It, it, it says... He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I'm sure many of us have felt like this before in our lives. Perhaps in the midst of discouragement, you've prayed, God, you know, I just feel like my life is not worth living anymore. God, I can't see any hope in the future. God, everything looks bleak. I'm discouraged. I'm feeling like I'm at my wit's end. Perhaps you're feeling like that today. Perhaps some of you are here this morning feeling in the depths of discouragement, not really knowing where to turn. This story, I think, shows how people become discouraged and how they can overcome discouragement. It tells us what we can do when we feel like giving up. So we ask ourselves today, why do we become discouraged? And I think the first reason is sometimes we just get plain old tired. There's nothing more scientific about it than that. I think this first reason is, that, is fatigue. We just get worn out. Right after Elijah had prayed to, to die, the Bible says, then he lay down under a tree and fell asleep. He was exhausted. He fled in fear after this emotional high where he would be toe-to-toe with the prophets of Baal and where he prayed and the Lord had broken the drought and then he'd heard that people were so upset with him that he ran 100 kilometres, I reckon, roughly it must have been, to Beersheba and he was worn out and he was tired and he was exhausted and so he lay down under a tree and he fell asleep. You know, sometimes... People come and I'll I'll be talking with them and um, they'll share all kinds of things that they're finding really hard in their lives. And yet I think 
really, when it all boils down to it, those things would be so different if they just had a really good night's sleep. Maybe took a, a holiday for two weeks, you know. Uh, really took a day off and rest and just enjoyed some part to recharge their lives. I think sometimes we try and burn the candle at both ends but find that if you do that for too long, your fingers get burnt holding it in the middle, don't they? I mean, you just can't keep going without getting tired and seeing things negatively because you're so exhausted. And Mandy and I, the family, went down to Lawn. You know, we had the Living Church series and we went down, and, but we went away for that week just a few weeks ago. And we'd always said, oh, you should never go away just for one week. It should be two weeks so you can really unwind. But, you know, one week was absolutely fabulous. We, we felt ourselves coming back energetic and excited and just coming back again after just one week's holiday has been great. Good night's sleep having a, a Sabbath rest each week can just help when you're discouraged. Taking annual leave or a time off just to rest. I know I'm, I'm prone to looking at things negatively and have overwhelming feelings like I just can't go on if I've not rested and had enough sleep. Yeah, that's the first thing. Why we become discouraged, we're just plain tired. I think also what happens is another reason we become discouraged is often we've just had a spiritual experience, you know, like a really spiritual high. And this is a bit weird that we would even say this, but I think here uh, the prophet Elijah uh, has shown that. Often when we have a spiritual high, Satan wants to come and steal that away from us and he knows that we can be vulnerable after that. So he can come and try and steal our joy. You know, a spiritual high might be like when perhaps we've just been helped, used by God to lead someone to the Lord and we're feeling excited about that. Or perhaps there's been some um, challenge with someone, you know, and we've felt emotionally drained by that, but God has really helped us and we've felt it's been a breakthrough. Or maybe we've been standing up to some kind of addiction and, and, and we've had victory there and we feel strong. Well, this is what happened to Elijah in, in 1 Kings 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. So Elijah had done some incredible things and how he'd killed the prophets of Baal with the sword. Uh, Elijah had just stood toe-to-toe with these 400 prophets of Baal and and he had had a victory which had showed that the Lord God is the true God, the one almighty God. And God had shown it so convincingly that it was a spiritual high for Elijah. And then going and praying and praying that God would would break the drought and and the little cloud was seen and and the servant came back to to Elijah and said, here it comes and the the drought was broken. (gasps) How exciting. And then we see just in this next uh, time, uh, just the attack that comes because uh, Ahab had told Jezebel and Jezebel uh, started to, to, to lash out. So I think we're very vulnerable after a spiritual experience. And we can get down because we don't realise how drained we are after that. You know, um, this week I contacted all those that were baptised here last Sunday morning. Because I know from the past that after a spiritual high, declaring that Jesus is Lord in front of all you people, Satan hates that kind of stuff. He really doesn't want people declaring Jesus is Lord. 
And often he'll try and use anything to steal that joy from you. You know, someone saying, oh, you shouldn't have done that or you wrecked that or this wasn't, you know, it can really get in there. And so I just, just want to say I'm praying for you. And if you would pray for those that were baptised, that's a great thing to think because sometimes we can get really discouraged after spiritual highs. A third reason why we become discouraged, I think, is because fear just stops us. And we're so afraid to keep doing what God has called us to do that we tend to stop and it makes us feel like we'll never be able to do what he's going to do because we're so afraid, what he wants us to do. You know, when you, you know what God wants you to do, you just think it would be easy to go and do that, don't you? I mean, if God wants you to live a godly life and follow him, that should be simple. But you know what I've found is there are people that will try and stop that. People don't like it when you want to live for God. And so there'll be some people that will be jealous because they're not living for God the way you're starting to live. And they will try and say things to stop you from making those changes in your life. There'll be other times when people will feel guilty because you're, and they'll try and bring you down because of that. Maybe there'll be times when people just willingly oppose you. Maybe people in your even own family or friends might stop you as you try and live for God and do what he's calling you to do. In Elijah's case, it was the king, the king's wife, Jezebel. and She was not only uh, opposing Elijah, but look what, what happened. So Jezebel, in verses 2 and 3, sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. I want you dead, she's saying. And Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. That's right. Elijah, the one who had just so recently stood toe-to-toe with the prophets of Baal, ran for his life because of fear. Uh, after a spiritual high, you know, when you're exhausted, uh, fear can also be a reason why we become discouraged and can lead us to be under broom trees, praying that we would just, it would be the end. Do you have fears right now that are stopping you from doing what you feel God has called you to do? Do you fear criticism of others and so you've stopped? Do you fear embarrassment, what people might say? You're kind of afraid maybe to take the next big step in your job. Is fear stopping you? Maybe you're afraid to even apply for another job because you've had knockback after knockback and it just hurts Too much, you're afraid. Maybe you're afraid that you'll be able to be competent enough to do the job that you're being asked. Are there fears that are are making you afraid and stopping you and helping you, making you be discouraged? Maybe it's a fear of having to be perfect. The truth is that fear always discourages you. How do you know if your discouragement at the moment is being caused, caused by fear. It's just a simple way to know. You'll have a deep 
an intense desire to run, to run like Elijah did, an, an intense desire to escape life's pressures. You're afraid of it. And the natural reaction is always to run, just like Elijah did. The fourth uh, reason why we become discouraged is we think we're hard done by. Later on in this chapter, uh, we, we see that this is what happened to Elijah. Because what often happens is we're trying to do what, God, what we feel God has called us to do and we face obstacles and we get frustrated and we start to feel like we're the only ones who care about what God's called us to do. No one else cares. I'm the only one that God's got who's doing his work. And I, you know, if, I'm, I'm all alone in this. Have you ever been there like that? You know, This is what Elijah says. Listen to what he says. God comes to him and says to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 19. And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. If you have your Bibles, just look down to verse 18 and Jesus and God says, yet I have reserved, in reserve, yet I, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal. Was he the only one left? There were 7,000. But we feel like that because we start to think we're the only ones. We think we're hard done, but we become the victim in where we are and we start to think, oh, if, if only... I'm the only one that bad stuff happens to and we get discouraged. And this is definitely where Elijah was. Comparing ourselves with others, being a victim, thinking we're the only one always leads to discouragement. So if these are the kind of things that lead to discouragement, if these are the causes of it, well, what, what are the cures? How, how do we overcome discouragement. How do we do that together? And I think Elijah did some things to actually make it through his discouragement. And I think the first one is just to simply let God feed you. Look what happened. An angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread Uh, baked over hot coals and a jar of water. Strengthened by the food, he travelled 40 days and 40 nights. Now, all good Bible teachers know that this is actually talking about God feeding Elijah physical food. You know, he actually gave him food. And, you know, if God brings you a plate of food in your discouragement... Good for you. It hasn't happened to me yet. But what I think we can get from this verse, although the Bible's not actually clearly saying it, but I think right through the Bible it says that we're to feed on God's word. Here, God came and fed Elijah real food. But God has said, I want you to consume my word. I want you to know my word. I want you to meditate on it night and day. I want it to feed and sustain you. God's word to us in discouragement is what should be our food. This is what Jeremiah the prophet wrote. He wrote, 
when your words came to me, I ate them. I, I, I loved them so much that I gobbled them down. I, I consumed your word. He says, they were my joy and my heart's delight. Anyone know what Jeremiah is known as? The, the what prophet? The weeping prophet. I mean, he was discouraged and yet he ate God's word and consumed it and it brought him joy to his heart, to his weeping heart. God sustained him through feeding on his word. Jesus said, I'm the word of God. And he said, I'm the bread of life. Feed on me. You know, in our times of discouragement, there's no better place that we can go to God's word. And I can remember time and time when I've sat before discouraged people and God's word has sustained them through that time. You know, our kids are afraid at night. You know, our, our kids have often said, you know, we'll, we'll be in bed and, and, and we're just think, thinking about bad stuff, you know. So we've just brought out a verse that have been very dear to Mandy and I, you know, Philippians 4, 8, which says, you know, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, if anything is good or, or worthy of praise, think on these things. Think on them. We teach them that first. One of the first Bible verses, you know, that, that, that they've learnt because it helps them in their fear and discouragement. And it helps them. I remember sitting with people right in the midst of facing really overwhelming um, surgery and just sharing with them Psalm 56 verse 3. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Have you ever felt, you know, paralysed by fear that I won't be able to do this? You know, what about Philippians 4, 13? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What about when you don't know that God is, is near? You know, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I mean, we could just stop right now and, and ask you to just, you know, call out some, some verses that has helped you in, in discouragement and ones that have been faithful, because feeding on God's word when we're discouraged brings joy to our heart and helps our soul. I think the second thing that we can do is to listen to God's voice. Do you know, with uh, Elijah, uh, what happened to him is that he, uh, from under the tree, God woke him, fed him, he went to sleep again, he fed him, and then he woke him up and he travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Herob, the mountain of God. And there it says in verse 9 that he went into a cave and spent the night. And you can read from, from verse 9 that this is, this is what's happened. He complains, oh, you know, I'm the only one that's left. And the Lord said in verse 11, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then the great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. I think it's good to know that God doesn't always speak to us 
in miraculous, you know, big ways. I mean, God doesn't only speak to us at church. Did you know? He can speak to us in the very quiet, still moments. He doesn't just speak at big Christian rallies or Christian conferences or, or, or in, the, in the big dramatic things only. He can speak to us right through the soft, gentle whisper in the very ordinary moments of an ordinary day. If, you, if you're looking just to God to speak to you at church, you might miss what he's trying to say in the depths of your discouragement. If you're thinking that only when you are someone great that he'll talk to you, he'll speak to you right in the midst of your discouragement. You know what I think we sometimes need to do? It's just to step back from the noise, to step back from the busyness, to step back from all the activity and things that are going on in our life long enough to slow down and to listen to God's voice. Let him guide you. Let him give you wisdom. Let him speak to you through the ordinary, everyday life. So let God feed you. Listen to God's voice. And I think the third cure for discouragement is to return to God's mission. Returns to God's mission. Just because you face discouragement doesn't mean that God has given up on you. No, no. Just because you, you're feeling down and you're feeling like you can't go on doesn't mean it's the end. You've still got work to do. God called you for a purpose and this discouragement shouldn't stop you forever. Look what it says in verse, nine, uh, in verse 15. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Elijah was told to go back. God confronted him in his discouragement with the need to return to his mission, to, to go back, to speak God's word to Israel, to fulfill what God had called him to do. What's God got for you that perhaps you've left aside because of the discouragement? What is there that's on hold because of fear, because of tiredness, you know, because you've been looking at yourself and thinking you're the only one? What's God got there? Paul says, I'm convinced of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it about to his completion. Jesus was one who continued to persevere with God's mission for him, no matter what obstacles he faced as he looked to him. You know, this last one, Return to God Mission, became so crystal clear for me a couple of years ago. Um, we're coming up to five years here, and I'd been here now uh, three, uh, three years when I had a review. And the review process was quite, um, quite thorough. Like we asked 20 people within our congregation to fulfill uh, out anonymously responses to how I was going in certain areas, like, you know, pastoral care, preaching, what am, what am I doing in all these areas of the church? 
And so it was all done anonymously and brought back. And then there was one uh, night when uh, someone from the Baptist Union came down with all the results and met with me together. And he, we were good friends. And uh, I think he, he was surprised at some of the feedback in there. And so he didn't want to hurt my feelings. And so I think when you're a little bit uneasy, you forget what you're supposed to do. And everyone knows you're supposed to give some encouragement as well as some negative feedback as well, some encouragement. But he just forgot the encouragement bit, you know. <laughs> and he just uh, forgot and just went through one thing after another. There were five major things that, that I really needed to work on. And I remember just getting that from him and then he said, now we're going to meet with the deacons tonight. And he chaired the meeting with the deacons and so again he forgot the encouragement part and just went through one after another of the things that I needed to work on. I remember leaving that meeting um, afterwards thinking, do they still want me to be the pastor of this church? And I went away and fortunately or unfortunately, whatever it was, we had a week down in Lawn and, you know, uh, I've talked to the guy who handled the, the VUV thing and he was going through a lot too at that time. But while we were down in Lawn, Mandy and I were in the midst of discouragement for the, for the first few days. You, you can tell when, you know, Mandy says, can you pass the jam? And I go, hmm, hmm. <laughs> we were kind of doing that to each other, weren't we, honey, if we're honest? Yes. It was a really difficult time for us. You know, in the meantime, a lot of the deacons rang and said, look, we really felt that could have been handled a lot better and all that. And I was going into the why me moping thing, you know. But it was about three days into our holiday when I almost felt, you know, God coming behind me and almost just grabbing my collar, <laughs> you know. I was having my quiet time, my morning quiet time. I was, was journaling. It was almost as though God came and he said, Jonathan... Get over it. it. It was kind of like he said, quit moping. The things that you've been given feedback on are actually very good. They're the gold. They're the things that will help you to become a much better pastor of my people. And you know what? God, as usual, was just so right. And, and for us, hearing God's word, be reminding of our mission, the mission that he's called us to do is very good. It's to help lead this congregation and to help us all thrive in Christ. And I just needed God to come back and remind me of the mission that he called us to. And since then, it's been wonderful. I've been able to put in a whole lot of processes to help address the five areas that were my greatest needs. And, and you know, I think it's made a great difference. And that was a wonderful time where God spoke to me in the midst of discouragement. Today, are you con convinced of God's mission? In the midst of discouragement, don't lose sight of what he's called you to do, how he's called you to live for you and what he's calling you for. I think wherever you are this morning, whether you're just at the beginning or if you're out of it or if you're wherever you are, the best thing with everything that we can face in the discouragement is that we can remember to take it to God in prayer, to come to Jesus, to look to him and ask to strengthen us as we face the discouragement, to remember that we've got to let God feed us right through it, that we've got to listen to the voice of God right in the midst of it, and we've got to 
return to God's mission as we take all of this to God in prayer. Let's pray together now. Jesus, this morning there are some that are feeling very, very discouraged. All of us have felt this time and time again. And this morning, God, we thank you for the promise that where two or three are gathered, there you are in the midst. And God, for many of us, we feel that you have spoken to us this morning. You've come alongside us and grabbed us by the collar and said, yes, we, we've been forgetting to feed on your word. We've forgotten to listen to your voice and we've forgotten the mission. And God, I just pray now that as you speak to us, that we would respond, that we'd look to you, that we'd pray to you. Lord Jesus, that you'd help us through this time. God, have your way, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, after the service, there's people down the front to pray. We'd love to pray with you. God wants to get alongside you and pray with you. This morning, if you have your blue cards, it would be great for you to just to complete those in these moments. Um, in just a moment's time, we're going to be having our offering and that will be taken up. But if you just take a moment, it would be great to just put your name on the blue card and maybe there's something you'd like us to pray with you in. Maybe there's something, a decision you'd like to make. Let's just take a moment to do that now.